1: Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez and joining me today, I have my co-host, David Gasper, as well as a special guest, Pat Darty is joining us. He is uh, known online as the Real gnaw Clown and he'll explain that, I think, here in a second. But gentlemen, thanks for joining me. David, we'll start with you. How are you doing over there in Wisconsin here they're uh. There, uh diving into the wine market nowadays huh wisconsin and yeah
2: yeah well i mean the the wine i'm currently drinking is from california i'm feeling fancy today it's it's been it's been a rough week i gotta go something a little bit more than just beer um but i'm doing good um and you know the prospects on the on the brewer's farm are are doing well but we can talk about jackson churio later but uh, yeah, things are things are going well over here. How how are things in in California? I believe this one this wine's from a uh, Paso Robles. Is that is that near you?
1: It is not. That is going to be Northern California, but that is great wine country. Mm. I guess that's more the Central Coast up to Northern California. I don't want people to ah uh, yes. It's actually close to where we uh, my wife and I got married. We got married in Santa Barbara. Oh, nice. We're about an hour south of that. Yeah, so we have good wines over here, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, the weather is heating up. Very much so in uh, here in Southern California. It's and I'm doing some summer school and I'm out there for two hours doing like this PE sports program and I'm dying, man. I am absolutely
2: dying. But trust me, uh, the kids don't want to be there during summer school either. No, not at all. (laughs) Uh, Nobody does.
0: That's so wait. Sorry for jumping in this first time I'm jumping in, but uh, (laughs) the summer school is for like people who failed gym.
1: Uh, No, no, it's basically uh, I shouldn't say this in case. They're all listening to me, which. But anyway, it's glorified daycare. You know, the parents don't have. Uh, they, oh, that's a, nice job. jobs, that's a nice job. Essentially, yeah. they need to send their kids somewhere. So they we we teach them some stuff. It's it's a mix of good kids and some some bad kids as well. But then in the afternoon we do sports. Well, they they have a choice of things to do. I see that as a positive. Things. Yeah, it, it is a positive thing. But that if I say it's a positive thing, it's not as funny for the listeners. It's not entertaining. We're all about entertaining <laughs> people. They don't want the truth. They want entertainment but anyway pat that's you over there uh first time on our show here why don't you introduce yourself you're kind of new to the prospects 1500 community as well so uh glad to have you on
0: i'm excited to be here um i recently just got started uh tweeting out like 31 days ago i started tweeting out the uh production score uh i don't know if you want me to just dive right into it
1: save Um, that we'll we'll get into that we want people (laughs) to be like what is this production score that'll be for basically our whole episode so you're gonna get the whole spotlight but uh, All right, for like, now. Just, I want to know about uh, you yeah. and, and kind of how you got to know, uh, get to Prospects 1500 and, and what you're doing with us here now.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. So I'm actually from Long Island. Um, I've been in base. I've been into baseball since like 2006. I don't know if you guys remember Lasting's Millage. It was one. Of my oh, years. yeah. <laughs> I like fell in love with prospecting and like seeing guys come up. So um, Prospects 1500, I, I believe it came out really a couple of years ago, but you guys focused primarily on prospects and farm systems. So it was something that I really enjoyed going to your site all the time. And it was just like a natural fit. Once I started tweeting out only a month ago and uh, you know, I believe it was Scott green picked up on me, uh, started talking and then got right into it. So I'm excited to join you guys and be a part of the crew.
1: Yeah. I think that's something that Scott does really well at prospects 1500 is getting, a bunch of different pieces of information, um, and you kind of bring an analytical numbers only look to things. Whereas you know, David and I kind of do a little bit of the feelings that we get with when we see guys. <laughs> we dive into having. our
2: feelings here on this yeah. podcast, is what we, we, we do.
1: Um, I mean, a Cabernet will help with the feelings. So he we're gonna get a lot of feelings from David. I feel. Oh, like.
2: we're gonna need a lot more than just uh, the second the second glass of Cabernet in order for me to get into my feelings here. But
1: <laughs> tequila. <laughs> that's gonna tequila. be too hard. You should. You we, yeah, yeah we
2: might need to break out the tequila or the whiskey oh. that that can help bring uh bring the feelings out. But we don't need to go there today.
1: Would like to do a wasted podcast at one point. It's kind of big. <laughs>
2: i had a before i was it was that might be a disaster
1: that was kind of my my i had an idea which was just like two guys drinking a lot of beer and talking sports and like just get
2: dude that out. is my current podcast where yeah. the, my, my my brewers <laughs> well, podcast we call it the cold brew podcast because we're yeah. drinking cold brewers we're drinking beers while we're talking oh. talking baseball
1: it's not coffee i thought it was coffee no it is not
2: coffee no
1: that makes sense. If there's one team that you could do that for, it is probably the Brewers. That it is, is the, the Brewers. Brewers. Yeah, it, it makes sense. For beer. Um, anyway, off of we're gonna get on tangents. I can already feel it. My apologies, guys. If you don't like tangents, we're recording
2: this on a Friday night, man. Like that's what that's what we're, we're gonna it. get.
1: So, yeah, people are here for it. Yeah. The point I was making again, <laughs> right, circling back to that, is that Scott does a good job of kind of bringing all these ways in. It's not just Scott's way of like, hey, you have to like prospects that are only good for your dynasty teams. Like we'll look into all sorts of things where like, you know, some guys are defense. Some guys don't even care about defense. We'll get into your score, which, you know, has names on here that I was uh, very shocked to see having seen, seen them in real life and like seeing them perform and then seeing them on your list. But then some, you know, there is, there's something to be said about combining those things together and uh, getting as much information Analyze as possible. So that's what we're going to do today. But we do have a lot of news and notes as well because again, it's call-up time. I mean, this summer months here. um, I think we we finally finished it though. Um, The top elite prospects are all going to be in the major leagues. Yay! Yay.
2: Riley Green.
1: Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before (laughs) I'm saying we we kind of established that there was like four or five elite prospects. It was Julio. It was Witt. It was Rutschman. And it was Riley Green. I guess that would be. And Torque. And Torque. Yeah. Can't forget Torque. That was like the five, right? Um, And now they're all up finally. It took us until June. But Riley Green, congratulations. You did it. You got promoted. You are going to be debuting on Saturday for the Tigers. It's about time the Tigers stink. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So he's already like their best player, I think, immediately upon arrival. So anyway, that's the point I was making now. Maggie. there's still. plenty of prospects we still need That's to see. Fair. But these are the these are the five guys that we were so excited for uh, to be up quickly. They are up. Here we go. There, you, Riley Green, let's just talk about him for a bit. I mean, is there anything left to talk about? I guess first, David, to, about Riley Green, Green that we haven't.
2: Well, let's see. Riley Green, uh, I have him uh, in my uh, in in Chappie's Prospect Challenge League, so I am, I for one am extremely excited uh, to see him get promoted. Um, so yeah, he's coming up. He's the foot is finally healthy. Uh, really going to help out that um, Tigers team that really needs it. They lost like 13 to nothing the other day. And, uh, AJ Hinch called a team meeting. It's like, guys, we're sucking right now. What is going on? Um, but yeah, it's good to see green up. Um, we're going to, we're going to see him, um, perform, um, and just kind of really, he's going to be playing pretty much every single day in the outfield there for, for Detroit. And, you know, that's something that, you know, it really kind of makes the most sense for, you know, if you're going to call him up, he's not you're not going to call him up to put him on the bench, you know, have him be a part-time guy. He's going to play every single day, especially with how good he is. Um, so I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do in Detroit. And maybe he can turn him around. Turn him around. I like Detroit. You know, I'd like to see him get going, but uh, they just haven't been able to. And, I mean, injuries have been a part of it. But uh, especially now with Green healthy, that that should really help them out. Are you worried
0: about his lack of protection in that lineup when he gets Now that he's there, like, uh, if he starts seeing balls and starts going for them, his strikeout numbers are just going to go through the roof.
2: You know, I feel like with uh, him coming up, you know, with with the way him and Spencer Torkelson have been kind of, you know, uh, best friends throughout the minor league system, I feel like him coming up might help Torque perform better. um, And then Torque can provide some protection and uh, provide some production out of the lineup. So you get Green and Torkelson together. That is a duo that it's going to be great for years to come in Detroit.
1: With Riley Green, too, I think the big value in him is that he does everything above average without like being elite in any one particular category. So um, the strikeouts don't worry me too much. I, I feel like he would just take the walk. He's that type of player. He's just I, To me, Riley Green will probably enjoy better success than Witt. Than Torque, obviously, that's not too hard to do, then <laughs> Um, and perhaps lag behind Julio, but even perhaps match what, what Julio is doing now. But in the long run, um, I feel like his ceiling's a little bit lower than perhaps Bobby Witt or the Julio, um, or even Torque in a sense, fantasy-wise. But overall, I mean, this guy is a very polished player. He would have made the opening day roster with no problem. I feel like he's going to have some great success. And you look at his year last year. I mean, it's just, just solid numbers. It's not like insane Wander Franco doing things at 18 that we've never seen before type of things, but you know, 20 year old and triple a double uh, a as well with 24 home runs. What do you, uh, 16 stolen bases uh, hovering around 300 average 400 on base. That's that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it's uh, just about time for Riley green. So um, we do have another call up too, and then I'll, I'll come over for you. Pat, to talk about this guy. Um, who knows exactly what the Pirates are doing? And David, maybe you you, you need to chime in about <laughs> some Pirates hate as well because who knows when and why they're calling up prospects. Like, they're literally calling up guys left and right, guys that aren't even doing well in AAA. I mean, we had uh, Cannon Smith, we had Swaggerty, we had Cal Mitchell, we had Sawinski, we had Hoy Park, and now we have Leover Piguero being called up as well. Um, honestly, is probably the highest regarded of all of those names I just mentioned and yet he's getting called up last and then we haven't even talked about O'Neal Cruz who is I guess practicing on how to field his backhand in left <laughs> field on like games, <laughs> <laughs> as the Pirates have said he's got some just some other things to work on you got it Pittsburgh but uh Pat what are your thoughts on the over- Piguera I honestly don't have a lot to, to say on him. I don't know a ton about him. I haven't watched him a lot, but I do know that he's is pretty highly regarded. So maybe you can chime in here and, and on your thoughts on this uh, highly regarded 21 year old shortstop.
0: Um, I think for Pittsburgh, they value their farm system throughout levels playing with each other a lot more than other teams do. So they don't really call people up just to call them up. They let them settle in at a certain level. So like Jack Sawinski last year saved the whole year at double A, but he saw a lot of pitches and they valued him pretty much like a a Brett Gardner type in the outfield where they could put him at center field, right field, left field. And his bat will still play in the lineup because he's not overmatched. He's still seeing pitches throughout the at bat. So he's making work like uh, pitchers work. He's not just like trying to get on base, you know, uh, hitting it for over the fence. But even now, he's producing. He's He has a 200 batting average, which is okay for someone coming from A. But they really trust him in the outfield with his glove. But um, the call-up for Perguero, getting back to that point, uh, it was because he was closer and they had a guy go on to the COVID IL. So he was closer logistically, uh, not O'Neill Cruz. Or it would have been O'Neal Cruz that would have been called up to go
1: play uh short for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he even reminds me a lot of Riley Green. I'm looking at the... uh. Oh, that's because I am looking at Riley Green. That didn't help. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "Oh my gosh, the stats are identical."
0: Including his name.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) that's interesting that you mentioned because I think people are still just clamoring for O'Neill Cruz because he probably should have made the the roster. But yeah, I mean, his it, it is actually that he's probably faster than Riley Green. Right, 28 stolen bases last year, 14 this year. The strikeout rate is probably a little concerning already, but um. Somebody in Pittsburgh's gonna blow up at some time at some point and just be a star, you'd imagine, right? This year.
0: Yeah, I so. really think that's what they're going for with the yeah. Brian Reynolds. Uh, they have him in the outfield. I think they're just trying to rotate players in, see who best works with him. Um O'Neal Cruz, I think, will end up moving into the outfield. So if they have a chance to put Paguera on the lineup, put him in uh, shortstop. we the O'Neill Cruz has been playing left field. So if they can move Cruz to left field, Sawinski in right. Reynolds in center, they kind of really have like uh, a mix there. So I I don't think they're closing themselves off to just playing O'Neill Cruz at one spot. To me personally, if I if I'm the Pittsburgh uh, front office, I'm trying to play him at first base. You know, six seven, protect his legs a little bit. He's athletic. You could put him in deep on first. He could be a good first baseman playing on that side of the field. You really don't have to shift towards the side because he already has you know quick hands with playing shortstop. So
1: I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're on to something. It feels like Pittsburgh is calling up these, let's call them the B-list prospects, if you will, um, and just seeing if one of them can become that Brian Reynolds is a good example because Brian Reynolds was kind of like that, just the guy that kind of made it when you probably didn't see it coming. But they're taking their time with their A-listers, right? You know, they're, I'm sure they'll do this with Henry Davis as well. And Hudson Head, obviously an A-lister as well. Uh, <laughs> Paguero, O'Neill, Cruz, like they don't want it. They don't care if they screw up Travis Swaggerty, you know. Bring him up. Let's see what he does. He sucks. All right, that's fine. But they cannot <laughs> screw up O'Neill Cruz. Like if they do that, they they get reset almost back
2: did, to uh, Alex. Did you see? Um, I think it was Kevin Kramer's uh, comments about the Pirates' like develop development system. Like over the past few years, and like why so many guys seem to flame out in Pittsburgh and do so well elsewhere.
1: Oh, Share with us, please.
2: Yeah. So, like, he, you know, what he was saying was essentially like, you know, some of those guys like they like they told like Kramer himself, like the, the player development staff. It's like, oh, we don't really kind of like view you as a as a like a big time piece. So it's like they didn't really like work with him as much. So like if they didn't, you know, see him as, as a s like a super big time guy like like a Henry Davis or a Nick Gonzalez or guys like that, they didn't really invest much time and effort into those guys. And, you know, the ones that did kind of make it up, you know, they, they really just kind of didn't like just kind of the attitude and the mentality of that whole system um, and, the, and the player development style and the coaches and things like that. It was just kind of weird. And it didn't really help a lot of guys develop. Um, and that and that you know could be explaining why we see so many guys succeed as soon as they leave the Pittsburgh yeah. Pirates. Garrett Cole, Joe Musgrove, Clay Holmes, you know, guys like that, where it's just like they, they had all this talent in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh couldn't get anything out of them. They go elsewhere, they, they get traded for pennies on the dollar, essentially. They go elsewhere and all of a sudden they're studs. And it's like, why don't we see this in Pittsburgh? It's because the the player development mentality, the the attitude that they had wasn't geared towards finding the best for every single player and, and just getting the most out of anyone that they could that could be productive. They just there there were some guys that they were just like, Oh no, we're not gonna bother trying to help you that much. And that's how guys like, uh, you know, Kramer and um, Newman, like, you know, a couple other of those uh, hitters that they've had come up just end up flaming out, you know, when they were kind of, you know, supposed to be really good, productive players.
1: Yeah, and that's any workplace, right? If you feel like you're not on the inside of that crowd with the Yeah, box,
2: you're not was, valued.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. In- I,
2: well,
0: it's a trickle down system with their their salary there. So, like, every system feels the effect coming down from the major league roster. They're not paying, you know. If you have a bad bed in a bad city, you're going to have a bad night.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure that makes you, uh, the ML Central, pretty happy hearing all of that. But at the same time... <laughs> well,
2: you know, the, no one has ever accused the Pirates of being competent, you know? Like, that's... They haven't been competent in a long, long time. It's been decades, you know?
1: Well, I, I still am convinced that despite what we're saying that one or two of these guys by the end of the year is going to be a, a very highly sought after fantasy asset. We just, I have no idea. They can't idea. screw I mean,
2: up all of them. Can they?
1: Yeah. we I, got Marcano I, as well. We haven't talked about also former Padre prospect doing all right. So like some of these guys are going to <laughs> beat the odds. I'd imagine at some point. And then if they, you know, O'Neill, Cruz, Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez, those guys can also, but let's move on for the pirates. Um, Cause I do want to talk about, Two prospects that have come up that have been doing really, really well. And it, this is a year where prospects have been struggling. Let's be honest. I mean, Julio struggled at the start. He's turned it around. But even then, like, he's what he's doing right now is ridiculous. We, But still, not 300 batting average. Those types of crazy numbers. Bobby Witz, Torque, Rutschman's off to a slow start. Um, so when we see these guys coming up and exploding, we need to talk about them. And we need to talk about this guy first, Michael Harris, the second. What?
2: (laughs) Of course.
1: A stud. Okay. Uh, I don't know what else to say besides I was wrong. And yet I was probably the highest of Michael Harris of anybody at our site because I thought he was going to struggle a little bit here at the beginning. He turned things around and flipped the switch. The hitting instructor um, kind of put the hands down a little bit more Acuna esque I don't know if you guys have seen that. So this is tapped into a little bit more power kid hits everything to the opposite field, hard, great speed, great defense. I don't know what to say. I don't want to jinx it at this point, to be honest, (laughs) because I I still think that he's going to get figured out at some point, but what a, what a debut, uh, two home runs, two stolen bases, 70 plate appearance or something like that. Fantastic. However, there's another guy doing essentially the same thing as Michael Harris and, and, Granted, the Braves went on a 14-game winning streak, and a lot of attention gets that way, naturally. And this guy on another team, not quite in contention. Um, But it's Ezekiel Duran coming up for the Texas Rangers, who is also off to a fantastic start. 319 average, two home runs, two stolen bases, matches Michael Harris, but he's done it in half the plate appearances. It's a great start for a former Yankees farmhand. Um, Rangers have a lot of these guys that are close that almost mirroring the pirates where they're going to be starting to call up these guys. They called up Josh Smith. They're going to call up Duran. I'm sure Foskey is close on the tail as well. Uh, Cole Wynn perhaps gets a call. Like they're going to keep these guys up and see what sticks as well. So um, let's go with uh, Pat on your thoughts. Cause I, I, you know, David's been hogging all the ball, like with his Pirates hate there, <laughs> but uh, those two guys there, Michael Harris, Ezekiel Duran. Um, what, what were your thoughts of them before their debuts? And it is, this is a surprise because now to be honest, Michael Harris was a big guy for me, but outside of Atlanta Braves fans, you know, perhaps not the biggest elite prospect out there, but these two guys are off to incredible starts.
0: Was Durant part of that trade that sent Joey Gallo to New York? Yes. That was so mm-hmm. Gwen Otto, uh I really felt like someone got a hold of my sheet when that trade went down because Glenn Otto was at the top, Trevor Huayvar was at the top, and Ezekiel Duran were all at the top of the production score. And they flipped it for something that's basically uh, you know, a dead bat in a lineup. So it was an incredible trade by Texas when they pulled that off. They took someone off the books that they didn't have to pay anymore. There was a giant weight on them. I think having Gallo in the lineup is like a a detriment for any team at this moment in time, but I'm, I'm really high on Duran. Another call up from straight from double-A. We're seeing that a lot this year, straight from double-A straight into the majors. So I think Duran has the age, has the speed.
1: So call up time is here for sure. And we're going to see some more um, uh, every couple of weeks. You're going to, we're going to have to catch up and, and just get all of these names Um, it does kind of hurt us because it's, we haven't talked about some of these guys that have had some insane, uh, performances down on the lower minors that are in no position to get called up quite yet because of, you know, time, um, single a stuff like that. But, um, hopefully we can actually get to that now a little bit with your production score. So, um, I do want to talk about that, but first I I am going to take a break, but when we come back. Pat, it's going to be you. You're going to talk about what goes into this, what it is, how people can use it, how reliable you think it is in terms of predicting future success, all of that good stuff. So, um, this is again Futures Focus. Alex Sanchez, David Gasper with special guest Pat Darty here. We'll be right back after this. And we are back. Future's Focus here with you. My name, Alex Sanchez. David Gasper. Joining me per usual. And our special guest here is Pat Darty, And he has a production score uh, that we're going to go over and dive into. So, Pat, the floor is yours. Go ahead and explain this to everybody so we know exactly where it is, where we can find it, what goes into it, how confident you are in all of that. Tell us about production score. Okay.
0: So, um, basically what it is. Uh, I started working on it in 2019. Um, It was towards the tail end of the minor league system in the 2019, and um, I'll give a little bit of history and then I'll go into it. But uh, it was something that I came up with um, to basically judge minor league production uh, across raw numbers that was just meat and potatoes, pretty much, Uh, hits, singles, doubles, triples, home runs, runs, RBIs, walks, uh, intentional walks, strikeouts, all across the boards, stolen bases, And it boils it down into one number. And um, it came from a a major league perspective. So it was pretty much just seeing who on the minors is producing the same way a major leaguer would. And you would know there's going to be, like, regression in there. So when someone does get called up to another level, you know they're not going to hit the same way. But it's just a baseline way of seeing, like, hey, who's actually producing and who's actually hitting, who's pitching? Um, and Because you hear all these big names, right, like – I don't even know. You can go down the list from all years ago. um, And really what it was, was just finding out who in the top 10 consensus of pitchers or the top 10 consensus of batters is actually playing and uh, who is actually hitting. So I started taking all of the minor league data, putting it into a calc that was based on a major league stat. um, And that stat was boiled down from all the raw numbers to get one point per game. So like uh, if you were an all-star player, say Ronald Acuna, Uh, Shohei Otani basically breaks the metric, right? Because he pitches, he hits. So he'll be at like last year, he was at 184. He outproduced the 162. And that puts him in the range of like Barry Bonds, 70 home run season. That puts him in the range of uh, Babe Ruth, 150 RBI season. You know, it's fun when you go back and you look at other people's stat lines and you can really compare like Otani or what um, Jose Ramirez is doing and you just get to appreciate a little bit more. And um, I took that same stat and I applied it to all the raw data from minor leagues to, you know, see who's pitching, who's hitting. And it's been a lot of fun for sure uh, over the past this year, because last year I tried to live link stuff on a Google sheet and that was, you know, things break so easily. So now I just kind of hard coded data It's really just a baseline import. And um, there's a lot of applications that I'm finding out still that uh, I can use this with, whether it's seeing which farm system is actually hitting uh, throughout each level, who's promoting who, like uh, which farm systems are staying stagnant. Like, uh, for example, Boston hasn't even promoted anybody out of A-level. They've sent someone from A-level to a complex league. That's about it. But um, why aren't they promoting? Um, Why aren't they hitting at certain levels? Which teams are not hitting at all in the minors like who has weak farm systems like we were talking about before with the mets where they just have a 400 point cliff from the top where it's texas all the way to the bottom where it's the mets and it's like why is that happening why don't they have a farm system because of the (laughs) mets yeah but i think there's there's room there for you know applications and whether we could uh measure it and i think it's actually pretty reliable if you've been looking at the production score metric, which you could actually find on my Twitter handle, I guess that's a good time to plug it as any. Um, the Real knock Clown on Twitter. I've been tweeting it out for only with 31 days now. And it's um, something I've been working on for a really long time. So I'm actually really happy to be sharing with people and that you guys have enjoyed it this much where I get to be featured on a podcast. It's like uh, very exciting for me. Uh, so I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, a couple of things. So. Atani was able to basically do better over 162 games than it was thought possible minus Barry Bonds. Um, They have Mike Trout and their manager was fired a few days ago. So that's fun. (laughs) Good job, Angels. Well done. Um, Second, um, in terms of like age and anything like that, uh, stuff that you, you know, are, you don't really change from game to game. How does that get factored in if at all? And um, yeah, let's just talk about that first. So is is age a factor at all in this?
0: Okay. So that's a great question. Uh, Originally I had tried to do something that would implement age as a, uh, a cutoff. Now all I do is just look at the levels and see whose age is a cutoff. But really with COVID, a lot of these guys didn't get to be promoted or like if they were at a cutoff in a level, they had to stay a year behind so you could really minus if if you wanted to like take age as a factor i don't see it as a factor personally because there's guys to that play until they're 40 and then there's guys who can only play till they're 32 it's really just like a, an injury makeup and how long they can play and their bodies will last um we've seen it before with johan santana where he looked like an old man at 29 but then again you have like john franco who's pitching till he's 40 you know 41 so i Personally, I think that comes down to each player, not so much a, a, a metric that we can measure. So I think um, that's where I do differ from baseline and analytics. Um, and I don't go into advanced metrics at all, really. Uh, I do have these pitches per plate appearance and I do have total batters faced per inning pitched for pitchers. And that's one of my favorite stats to look at is actually four pitchers where it's like um, the three stats, the, the key main stats for me that I will look at for pitchers is the obviously their SO nine, the walks per nine, and then I'll go to the TBF over IP, which is total batter space per inning pitched. So if they're regulating that to like a 3.5 and they're only seeing three guys at the plate each inning, they're absolutely dominating at the level. And I really think that they're calling for a call up. Like if they can't even see a fourth guy in an inning, why are they at that level? Like, why are they not being challenged a little bit further? So for me, that's where I get to see like, okay, like maybe they're being mismanaged or maybe they're just letting them dominate at that level or they do need to get called up. Yeah. Uh,
1: and the second point I wanted to make is that, you know, you're using really old school stats in a sense, right? The runs and the RBIs and the home runs and all that stuff. But even in the minor leagues with so many different levels, it's just so difficult to have it all in one spot. So even if you didn't have the awesome ranking of it and stuff like that, just, Freaking, knowing that you know a guy in Triple A comparing him to a guy in Single A, like we're able to see the home runs and all that stuff. We don't have to worry about, oh, he spent half of the time in Double A, then he got <laughs> promoted in Triple A. What is? I have to do math. I don't like to do that. So, uh, if nothing else, having that organized here, and then you get to see it kind of compared into a way where you don't have to, you know, there's no bias. It's all a, a very uh, subjective type of. Of list you have here. So um, what about the pitching side of it? Let's go to that and then we'll start talking about some players. And then um, David, you can ask some questions too, if you have any and chiming in here, what about the pitching? Is it, is it similar in time in terms of the process? Um, uh, you know, you have a lot more ratios than you would in like a baseball or it's the hitters. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. So how, how does that all play out? And um, yeah, talk about the pitching side, if you would.
0: Yeah. So the pitching for me was more, um, that was more labor intensive because I had to find a way to, uh, calculate outs that don't have to factor into what, like basically outs that were put in place, a a grounder or a line out. You can't really do that without just finding the stat that I can import easily. So I had to, uh, come up with a couple of (laughs) different formulas for that. But, um, so it's based baked in, um, I have wins, losses, uh, innings pitched, I don't really have like a weighted stat on wins and losses. I do add a little bit for them, uh, including saves and holds. Holds obviously doesn't get calculated in the minors. Maybe I could, when I become more popular, I could talk to MILB about it, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. And then, like, whether they're striking people out at a high clip, walks, all that gets baked in. And it's just basic stats. You get to see it across the board. Who's actually pitching and where it's. Sort of, uh, what's that word? Like when someone's just like a workhorse stat, or like, um, I I can't remember now. Bulldog. When someone, no, when someone plays for twenty years and they just Iron accumulate. Man. No, they accumulate so many stats like stat padding. Yeah, I guess sure. so. <laughs> so like whether the guy's just doing that in the minors, it, you do have to take that into account. So like you could see Casey Lawrence. He's thirty-four years old pitching in triple a but he's just putting up good numbers so like if you needed a triple a pitcher you could go to the sheet and be like okay maybe i should call up toronto and see what casey lawrence is doing tomorrow you know like uh it's pretty interesting in the applications of what could actually happen so like Mm -hmm. i've been breaking it down for myself and i've noticed a huge trend where like double a pitching is just outmatching triple a so like when you see guys going from double a to the majors they're actually facing better pitching in double a right now than they would in triple a because the the arms are just not there in triple a i think really last year they got exhausted or just moved up into triple a so like the younger guys who are trying to break into the major leagues are all in double a this year that's why we're seeing a lot more call-ups from it um and we're seeing a lot more guys dominate at double a pitching wise
1: and we've heard that, right? That's where all the insane talent is. Double A, and then Triple A is almost that that filler. Where if you're, you know, if you're not good enough to make that jump from Double A to the big leagues, you might not be that star. You know, you might just be that league average or above average. So we have heard that in the past. So it's nice to see data back that up. Uh, David, did you have any questions about the system that uh, maybe I didn't touch on before we start talking about the players that pop up on it?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, you know, just kind of like talk like a little more about like, you know, the, the difference between the levels and how that really kind of factors in to the score. Like, I mean, say you got say you got a guy at low A and a guy at double A and they both put up the same numbers across the board. Like, you know, at, like, like like let's say you got hitters, every single category hits, singles, doubles, home runs, all that, all that stuff. Say they're putting up the same numbers one's at double A, one's in low A. Does that change the score at all? How, how does that impact the level that they're putting up these numbers at um, when, when it comes to your, your final production score?
0: Oh, It absolutely does not change the metric at all because what I needed to have a baseline of was just have the raw stats calculate their production. So I didn't want to change levels, age, none of it factors in because at the end of the day raw numbers are basically what this sheet drives off of so if i started trying to calc in levels or uh who's hitting it would be very difficult because like would you have a weighted average this year for everyone who's hitting at triple a versus who's hitting at double a based on competition so like where do you draw the line pretty Mm -hmm. much and then um when it when you can Go onto the sheet. I just pinned a tweet for it. Actually, you could you could start sorting out and seeing like, okay, who's 22? Who's uh, pitching at Double A? Who's pitching at Triple um, I think those things you really have to decipher for yourself. Um, and there are baseline metrics where you can go across the board. See, like uh, we have Logan Allen here, and he has lower walks per nine than if you go to Austin Vernon. He has a little bit higher walks per nine. Then you would understand, okay, he's at Low A for a reason. But I mean that comparable stats going across the board. It's i find it rather easy to decipher this information quicker when you have base stats rather than, um, all their advanced metrics or it not being in one place like you were touching on before. So if it's a lot easier when you see everything in front of you kind of calced out and ranked rather than trying to go to each team yourself and, um, find each team. I Sometimes I sort by team and I just go by like, okay, who's hitting in Boston, who's pitching in Boston, or like who's who's hitting well in any minor league system. And, and it's a lot of fun because um, you get to see, you know, top prospects ranked up against guys who are just, you know, your average Joes basically. Like in Pittsburgh last year, I saw Jack Sawinski was producing crazy numbers. He was uh, averaging 4.5 uh, pitches per at-bat. So that was something that was really a major league level I in double A and he belonged to be either advanced on a level or in the majors uh, based on that stat alone, in my opinion, because if you could see that many pitches, I don't know, I I think you do
1: cause disruption in a lineup. What I've been using this list for, to be honest, is not as a strict ranking and saying, wow, this number eight guy I have to go pick up because he's available in my league and of course. he's scoring high. But what I'm doing is taking the guys that I know are highly thought of, highly regarded, and matching them with the top of your list. And, okay, so the, if we do that now, like some of these names confirm what you want. Like if you want to go and try to get Corbin Carroll right now, it's probably a great idea because not only do we know that he is highly regarded, but he's number fifth overall on your list. And it's easy to see that. And sometimes when you look at the numbers with these top guys, you get a little jaded because you're like, wow, I know he's good. So I'm going to make his stats look good. But then that reverse can also happen because I just looked up Anthony Volpe, who everybody loves still. And he's a 21 year old at double A. And there's a lot of arguments that you can make for him being a top 10 prospect but he's number 172 on your list. So it goes to show you like he is struggling right now stats wise. And then you can kind of remove that bias that we kind of tend to do. Oh, well, he's only 21 in double a. Well, I mean, at, at a certain point now, this is going back to the prediction I made as well to, to say that he wouldn't have a great year, but regardless, the point is, you know, maybe, maybe that shine is a little bit off because we have seen killer stats in single a, Low and high A and and guys move up and then that's you know they hit a wall. And so I'm not saying Volpe has hit his wall, but it is a reminder that he is not an invincible prospect. He has some things to do. You monitor those things. And so that's what I'm using this list for. Um that I found I'm using it more so than anything. So let's talk about the guys that you have here at the top. They're they're gonna be fun guys to talk about. Uh we have Estery Ruiz, who is seemingly breaking the system a little bit. He's uh, above that 1.0 thing uh, score that you mentioned. Um, So he's basically Otani in the minors. (laughs) He's Jose Ramirez. He's Jose Ramirez. He's not exactly (laughs) Otani. Which is yeah, pretty cool. Uh, Vinny Pascantino is number two. uh, A guy we've talked on here that, you know, he's got it any day now. He's going to be that next guy that comes up. He's seemingly very, very ready. The stats back that up as well. Gunnar Henderson, who got the call up as a, you know, 21-year-old now in Triple A, and he's number three on your list. Now, a lot of that is obviously from Double A, um, which you have to use your brain, some common sense. Some of my summer school students do not do that, but if you can use some common sense with that as well and say, okay, well, Gunnar Henderson is a guy that, um, you know, maybe. Maybe you spend up a little bit. Um, Lennon Sosa, who is a guy that a lot of people are, are calling for breakouts. You can see it with your own eyes. It's not just a, a White Sox homer saying, yeah, this guy's really good uh, because I love the White Sox. I mean, he is putting up insane numbers that would translate really, really well into the big leagues. So um, let me ask you that then, Pat. Of those top five guys we have, estri Ruiz, Vinny Pascantino, Gunnar Henderson, Lennon Sosa, Corbin Carroll. What are your thoughts on that? I'm sure you've seen them. A lot now in terms of you know being high on your list, so you you've done some background research on them. What are your thoughts on them, and uh, if you had to rank those guys, if in order of dynasty appeal, like if you were making a ranking system, where would they they end up? Uh, I'm a little bit biased, so I would put Ruiz
0: first. Um, the way he was hitting at Double A, and then he went to the PCL. The PCL, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Triple A PCL numbers are always insanely ridiculous so Ruiz putting up huge numbers in double a and then going to the PCL I just knew his numbers were going to go even higher so that call up for him was probably even worse for this metric than it was before (laughs) he probably would have done a bit worse in double a but now in the PCL I think he's going to be actually very well very good Um, the problem is where does he slot in in San Diego Um, every single person is producing in that lineup right now so it's hard to take any one guy out but I think once someone starts to slip up, you will see Ruiz come in there and capture a spot where it's second base center field. Um, I think if I had to put anybody right now at this point in the season, I would put Ruiz first, obviously because of the production and I have to back my metric. Um, so I, I have him in all of my dynasty leagues. I didn't have him on my radar last year. Um, he's firmly planted his flag though. And, uh, Moving on to Vinny Pascatino, I think it's hard for him to get called up also. If you frequent these Reddit rooms where these diehard fans in Kansas City, they just seem uh, really against calling up Vinny Pascatino. I hope he gets called up soon. But they have money on the books that they have to pay to Carlos Santana. They have uh, a gold glove first baseman. And um, I forget his name at the moment. It eludes me. Eric Cosmer? No, I'm just <laughs> uh, no, it was uh, Hunter Dozier is there at first base now, um, and they still have Carlos Santana. They recently just pulled him out of the lineup. I don't know if that's going to be uh, continuing, but they also have a couple of other guys in the rotation there. And I think Vinny Pascatino's is not on their 40-man roster, so they're waiting for rosters to expand. Then they'll add him to the roster and be able to call him him up. But um, I don't know when that's exactly going to happen. But uh, I think Gunnar Henderson would probably be ranked my number two guy. So it would be Ruiz Henderson. I would even put Sosa ahead of Pascatino because I think uh, once Sosa does get called up in Chicago, he's going to have higher stat line because of who's around him. Whereas Pascatino is not going to have as many people. And that team is just really poor in uh, Kansas City. So is gonna have to do a lot of heavy lifting. And with his average being at 278, I think you're gonna see a dip when he does come to the major. So somewhere around 250, 250 is not gonna play well in that Kansas City lineup as presently constructed. So I think you will see a lot more out of um those other three guys. But I, I am high on Corbin Carroll also. Uh Manuel Valdez coming into Houston. Uh if you're going down the list, there's a lot of guys on here that uh you know, produce, Jonathan Aranda, for example, at twenty-three, I think I would see him uh him being ranked at twenty-three, uh going into Tampa Bay second base, I think he would slot in really well. I think his three nineteen average, even toned down to like a two hundred eighty five, he's still gonna play really well in that lineup in Tampa Bay. He's gonna score runs. He um doesn't strike out at an insane clip. He gets on base, he has a little bit of speed. Um and then My favorite thing, obviously, I know you want, uh, we're talking about Jackson Churillo before. uh, Yes. (laughs) In Milwaukee. He currently ranks at 80, and then there's other players that rival him, um, where it was Edwin Arroyo, who I'm really high on if anybody wants to be in a a dynasty sleuth right now. Edwin Arroyo and Jackson Churillo are two names that you should be picking up like yesterday, because they have comps that are going to be huge going into next year, and they're going to be top five, top ten on people's boards, I believe.
2: Yeah, so I was like, I need to find the update list. You said you got Jackson Churio at 80. The list I'm looking at has him at 350. There you go. Okay,
0: so if you look at his his GPS score where it's the 72, so – That was another thing that does have to factor into it. He only has played 36 games. So if you were to extrapolate Mm -hmm. out his 72, um, it does slot him a bit higher. Uh, That's something I did on my own. Sorry, I I should have mentioned that.
1: Um, Expand on (laughs) that a little bit on how we would go about doing that, because I think that is important because games played, as our accumulating uh, mentioned, it does factor into that. So how can we uh, sort through that to get to the, you know, just who's doing best on a per game basis. Perfect.
0: So like if you were to go to the GPS, um, if you did, like I pinned a tweet on obviously my Twitter, but uh, if you go to data, uh, filter views, create a temporary filter view uh, on the top bar, and then you can go over to GPS. You could click sort uh, Z to A because it does it in reverse for some reason on here. And you could see who's actually hitting. Obviously, you have to take into account you could um, filter out. The the minimum amount of games you can go to 20, go to whatever you want, but you'd scroll down and you get to see where these guys are ranked amongst their peers, whether it's uh and then if you go to single A or dip varying levels, Jackson Chirio does slot pretty high for uh if you were to take out different levels, just have A. Let's see.
1: Where is churio ranked down? Hmm. I think I just got rid of him entirely.
2: Yeah. Oh no, he's
0: here. Uh, he would be in the top 20. So if you were to filter for level and then filter for GPS, he's actually pretty. Yeah, he's in the. I'm
1: trying to do this quickly. Sorry, no pressure. We just have to make David happy about this. Because weren't you comparing him to Acuna and Soto the other day? Is that what you said? It wasn't
2: me that was making that comparison. This like this was like scouts and like actual people within the baseball world who are comparing Churio to those types of guys. Like, like they are making those comps on their own. Like, like baseball America has been all over it. Um, that like their guys have been, have been on it and been, been talking about it, talking to their scouts. Uh, MLB pipeline just put Churio on the top 100. They've been talking about it. Like all these guys are like everyone we seem to talk to, like they are making comparisons to guys like that. So that's where it's like, hmm, if they're starting to make these comps already and just looking at the numbers um, with what he's done in low A, like what he's done in low A has been better than what guys like Acuna and Trout and Soto did in low A at 18 years old. Like, like that's that's what's really the age does matter for sure. I mean, that the age.
1: For sure, like a 25-year-old that maybe figured out some things. I don't think you should knock him for being 25, but we do need to get crazy when guys are doing stuff at just insane. <laughs> like if you're a teenager doing some stuff, like I I just remember when I was a teenager, <laughs> and like the fact that you're doing what what Cheerio is doing, and even Arroyo is doing, and um, a couple other guys, teenager. Based well. an hour, I don't know. Yeah. He's 21 actually, so sorry, my bad. He can't. Um, yeah, I mean, they can't even drink, and they're. Dropping bombs, it's crazy. No, they're so not drinking inside. any wine with you, David. T- <laughs> Unlike me. Yeah. Um, let's head on over to the pitcher side here. Um, because the pitching, obviously, guys are going to break out and then we're never going to hear from them again. And that's the hardest thing about Dynasty baseball, in my opinion, is figuring out which pitcher to go ahead and trade for and which pitcher to sort of just uh, you, I mean, you're going to have to ignore somebody that is having a fantastic season and it's hard to do, um, on a year to year basis. Uh, a lot of the scouting comes into the play and David may, you know, maybe you can expand on this a little bit, but like if a guys delivery and repeatability and the idea of, wow, you know, he looks like he is giving everything he has to that pitch. It's, it's not going to last. And, or, uh, you know, you're somebody that's just Nice and smooth delivery, pumping out 98. I mean, there's a difference to be had there. But um, with the pitching, though, some of these guys, these are these are breakout guys that w- if you were looking at a top 100 list last year, you didn't see these names at all. Besides Grayson Rodriguez, who does appear here as well, which by the way, uh, that some bad news about Grayson Rodriguez. We didn't talk about that in the news and notes, but he's he's out for a while, so we won't be seeing him unfortunately. Sad. Yeah, very sad. Tragic. Just the back, though. At least that you know it's it's not the <laughs> Yeah, it's only
2: the back. It's only the back. Totally, I mean, I'm know. having
1: some back issues too now, so it's nothing to joke about. But I mean, if you had to pick one thing for it not to be, it would be not to be the arm or the shoulder. So at least it's not that that precious thing that he has. So hopefully, some you know, and they'll be very slow with him. But anyway, I mean, we're talking Brian, uh, Brian Bello. We're trying Brandon Nar. Gordon Gracheffo, who we have talked a little bit about, but Casey Lawrence, Andrew Abbott, Logan, Allen, Cam Robinson, Austin Vernon, Louis Varlin, Nick Bush, Bryce Miller, Kyle Muller, Andrew Hoffman. I mean, these guys were nowhere near top 100 list. And here they are. Well, Brian Bellow, I guess, was in a sense um, for a few. But uh, these guys are uh, at the top of your list. So how do you do that mentally? Like, are you how confident are you in looking at this list here and I, again it's it is raw data and all of that uh, and it's not meant to to drive all of your decisions but what do we do with that you know are we still taking the word of our scouts and you know and some of these high end prospects or are we just moving on to the next hot thing of <laughs> prospects because they're pitching prospects and we don't know what we're doing
0: um i think a little bit of both so you do have to have discretion where it's um you have to take into account the scouts uh, word for it but that's why I do have the per nine metrics going across the board. Sorry, I'm just hearing myself twice. But uh, and then like I'll have ERA, WHIP, and then you'll be able to see like, okay, is this guy just accumulating a lot of stats because he's pitching a lot of innings, or if like is his stuff going to play at the next level? So I'll go and check their velocities, and that's something that you obviously can't see on the sheet. So um like a uh, Ricky Tiedemann, for example, 19. <clears throat> excuse me, you'll be able to go see that he touches uh, 96, 99 routinely. And uh, he's someone that's going to play up at the level. Whereas Kyle Muller, I don't really know where he sits, but I know it's not anywhere near 100 miles per hour. And when he gets called up, his stuff is not going to play exactly the same way it would. Whereas if, you know, Ricky Tiedemann, who's like, uh, basically I would compare him to a Noah Syndergaard when he gets called up. Uh, he's going to play a lot better on the field than say a Kyle Muller or even a Brandon Narr, where it's just like Brandon Narr is accumulating stats, but he's also putting innings under his belt. So whereas Brandon Narr may not be a starting pitcher or uh, something like that in the majors, he can come out and be something like a Keegan Thompson for Chicago, where he does have spot starts, pitches that long reliever type role. And then maybe later on in his career, he'll slot into the, the bullpen somewhere. But um, I think there are room for these guys where it's not just all or nothing. You know, like you're not just a top prospect or, or garbage. You There has to be leeway there. And I think these numbers do allow for that.
1: David, what do you think about just like getting these guys that are double A, re, not even looking at their names and just kind of almost going blindly off this list? And just because a lot of these guys you can pick up, especially if you're ahead of the curve with some of these guys like Richieffo, you could have picked up and nearly every league. Andrew Abbott was very accessible yep. to get. Um, Nick Bush, Bryce Miller, Kyle Muller even is, a, I mean, all over Tiedemann. the place. Like just Getting these guys that are close, double-A, triple-A, that are putting on Chuck. good seasons. And yeah, Walden Chucks is a good example too. Yeah, I mean, w- do we just erase the name at the back? Or what do you think, David? What you, What are your thoughts now as the pitcher in the room here?
2: Yeah, I think that's something that uh certainly can uh, is something to look at here. I mean, like like with pitching prospects, like you can really kind of develop pitching prospects a little bit more. I mean, you can add pitches to guys arsenals um, and, you know, really kind of could take them from a non pro you know, not a big prospect to all of a sudden uh, a stud. You know, you had a slider to the mix, you had a curveball, you had a changeup, you know, whatever it is you need to do, you know, that can happen a little bit more easily versus, A hitter, it's like, well, he has really kind of a horrible hit tool and strikes out a bunch. And you don't just turn that guy into a 300 hitter, you know, pretty easily. So um, I think that's something that, you know, also kind of plays a factor here. And like some of these prospects, like, yeah, like they weren't really easily picked up. Brandon Canar, I didn't even have him on my top 50 uh, at the start of the season. Obviously, this is going to change with our midseason re-rank. You know, he's going to be up there. But I didn't have him up there. Cam Robinson, who's seventh on this list, um, he was someone who's also, you know, pretty far down. He's kind of more of a reliever as well. But I mean, like the top guys there. I mean, you got Brandon Canary, you got Cam Robinson, and a little further down, you got Caleb Bosley, my old college teammate, actually. Oh. Um, you know, he's in the in the top thirty. So you got these guys, you know, and I'm really kind of looking throughout this list. You got these guys who are going to be available in most leagues, who uh, you know aren't really seen as big time prospects, but are performing just as good, or if not better, than all these big time prospects. Um, and that just kind of makes them someone to to keep an eye on or, or grab in your league, uh, you know, if you have a the opportunity to grab them. So that's something that you know I th- I think is a little bit different between the pitchers versus the hitters you know the, you know, just being able to kind of see that kind of performance change
1: Pat I got a question here so maybe using this example it's random and it's not you're not prepared for this but okay so Andrew Painter here at 145 Justin I don't know if I've never heard of this person I apologize it's Justin Maisy um and I'm looking Andrew Painter is like crushing him in nearly every statistical category. And yet he's ranked below. So I I just want to know, like, is there, I know there's going to be weird things that happen like that, but I mean, I was thinking, okay, endings pitched, but you know, Andrew Painter has double the endings pitched. He's given up uh, only one more earned run in total. He struck out 73 compared to 42, 1.94 ERA. Everything's better. Um, and I know they're close, but like they, in my mind, they should even be remotely close. Is it the saves that's knocking that off? Like, I know yeah, one's, a reliever, one's a starter, one's a starter. So, not, yeah, that's what's doing it. How huh? the saves? Yeah, it's the the high leverage uh innings.
0: Obviously, yeah, the high leverage innings that are going to obviously throw that off. Um, he's obviously striking out guys at a high clip too. So if you were to throw him in the back of a bullpen. I'm sure that 15 strikeouts per nine is not going to just go away when he reaches the triple-A. Uh, it might. It might. It might go to 11, but what he's doing right now in double-A is absolutely phenomenal. So you can't discredit the nine saves mm-hmm. for me, um, whereas Andrew Painter has, what, he started 10 games, and he's averaged four innings per game. That's not exactly dominant. I mean, he's pitching well. He is dominant, but um, he's still seeing four guys per pl- Per inning pitched, Um, there's still stuff to prove there for me. I don't know how deep they're letting him go in games. I don't know how many pitches he's throwing, maybe 65, 70. Um, So he does have to be ranked against that, where it's like, how long of a leash are they going to give him? Um, And I think that does play well on this sheet for pitchers, where it's like, okay, Andrew Painter is probably two to three years away, whereas Justin Mazey, who's very high on this list, um, uh. According to me, in the top 250 is high on this list for pitchers Um, because you see Yuri Perez right below him. And we all know Yuri Perez is going to be someone who's going to be highly sought after. But um, Maisie can easily go to AAA or just jump the level entirely and then be in the back of the bullpen. You'll be like, okay, where did this guy come from?
1: I didn't even realize he's an Atlanta brave. Fantastic. So we have a, we basically we could go trade this guy for Andrew Painter, right? Or Yuri Perez. Oh, let's get it done. Atlanta. I don't see that. <laughs> I, I, I know. What, I get what you're Good saying. Good luck, man. <laughs> meant to be a complete joke, but uh, it, it is important to, when, you, when you're looking at this to realize that there is value value can come in many different ways. Do you, we were just talking about how pitching prospects are so deadly. Do you want that 19 year old that's you know, so far away that they're, Handling with kid gloves, or do you want this reliever that's seemingly, uh, you know, a step away from being in a a bullpen at the major league level where you're going to get stats? Like, there's a great chance that Andrew Painter never makes it, right? I mean, if the chances of these guys making, if you're betting your life, you'd probably take Maisie, like you're saying. So, interesting. I do have one other qualification that I want to go over with you, and this is solely from the scouting perspective because – Max Ferguson is a guy that I've seen live and uh, very unimpressed with. Um, But I'm sure that he's ranked highly on your list because he has 42 stolen bases. And you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. But if you go (laughs) to a California single A game um, and see the amount of pickoffs, I would set the over under on pickoffs for both teams combined at one. Per game. Like they do not pick off at all. And people will literally run from first to second and then second to third. And it's, it's insane. I don't know if that's a single, a thing or a California league or those particular teams, but like, so Max Ferguson up with 42 stolen bases and not doing anything else remarkably well (laughs) besides (laughs) again, scoring runs because he's on third every time he gets on base because you can literally just walk there. So um Talk about that and, and like how how can we see through that and, and the stolen bases clearly having a huge weight on this. Um and, and just kind of I don't know, further clarify that for me because he is I mean, he's number eleventh overall, twelfth overall.
0: Uh he's tenth, yeah. He's said at tenth. Yeah, um yeah. for me, stolen bases on the major league level is such an impactful moment in the game because it really does take away uh, I didn't want to strip all of its value, essentially. Um, I wanted to to see it, and uh, sorry, I'm hearing myself against twice. (laughs) Kill it. Um, A little bit of an echo, yeah. My bad. Um, trying to fix it. So, like, um, for example, Max Ferguson could slot in as like a pinch runner. But uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, like, I didn't want to strip the value away from the major league level going down to the minor league level because if you take away the stolen base entirely. Um, or discredit it on the single a level then also again where do you draw the line you know like do you start discrediting home runs or uh discrediting triples but um i think stolen bases does have to be taken into context with a guy like max Ferguson cuz he's only hitting 233 so it seems like in single a when they do get on base obviously like you were saying they steal second they steal third maybe they even steal home if the pitcher's not paying attention um okay. but if he was on the major league level and he had 42 stolen bases right now, we'd be having a different tune. So say he was getting on base and he was disrupting every single pitcher that was on the mound because he was just stealing constantly and he was scoring runs. That's a different conversation we're having rather than hey, what is Max Ferguson doing? Uh, it the level has to be taken into account. I, I believe with hitters a little bit more and obviously stolen bases would be one of those things. Yeah.
1: So that kind of leads me to the point of like tweaking this, through and 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 so that would be an area where i would i would want to get ferguson lower than 10th because (laughs) you know i've seen him i've seen him and he's not fast he's not 42 stolen bases in the major leagues fast there's i mean nobody's going to argue that so that i'm not i'm not critiquing your list please don't take it that way but do you tweak it how often are you tweaking this what do you think that in the future you might look at to tweak and stuff like that or is this pretty much what it's going to be for the foreseeable future, and you got to just kind of say, okay, well, I've, I, Ferguson doesn't get on base in Low A. He's not going to get on base in the majors. He's not going to make it. And we just kind of filter it that way. Or, are, you know, tweaks come in, and, and how often are you doing that? If you are. Yeah, I think each year it does have to
0: take into con- like I do have to uh, tweak it. There are going to be tweaks year to year. Um, see what I can get better at Excel wise, and then making new rules and do toning down the, the stolen bases in A ball. Um, but I think if someone is looking at the sheet semi-regularly or does listen to this podcast, they would be able to take in the nuance of it and be like, okay, well, Max Ferguson, like you were saying, he doesn't get on base. And obviously these 42 stolen bases are just a mirage. So if I go to look for the Oasis in the desert, it's just simply not going to be there. Um, uh, and I could just credit that rather quickly. I'm not even looking for Max Ferguson on this list. I'm looking down, like you were saying, where it's like uh confirmation bias or coming to see if someone's jumping out at me like an estuary ruiz where you had like prospect fatigue like they were saying in a previous article um so i'm kind of looking at the top prospects for hitting and then see who's producing after that after the fact and then taking everything into context uh i think his batting average for me i would stay away from him every day of the week um so looking at Max Ferguson, I wouldn't, it wouldn't even play in my mind, but, um, Estuary Ruiz also in Double A, he has 46 stolen bases and he is absolutely demolishing the metric, but if you were to take away his stolen bases, he would still be the top hitter in the minors. So that's something that also does factor into it. But I think maybe when he gets to the majors, 46 turns to 23 and he still is able to run on base.
1: Also today I learned that, uh, Estary Ruiz has been hit 16 times by pitches this year. So
0: <laughs> there are some guys, who's <laughs> even worse.
1: Crazy. But uh, yeah, I, Hey, I wrote an article on him where I took a lot more of the uh, analytical parts in terms of the hard hit data, the strikeout rate, um, batting average balls of play, that sort of things. And it matched up with what you have. So if everything's matching up, I mean, we have to believe in this guy. Um, and then you mentioned earlier, like, What's his barrier, and like it's gonna be hard, but it, it's Will Myers essentially, and Nomar Mazzara, like that's it right now. So <laughs> as soon as Mazzara gets off of this hot streak that I know he's been up, and but he's still Nomar Mazzara. Let's be honest, and Will Myers is Will Myers. I feel like you got if you can get him, go get him still. But anyway, David, anything else over there that you wanted to mention? Because we've been we've been <laughs> this is a long episode.
2: I mean, yeah, no no, I'm uh. I'm good. Fantastic.
1: <laughs> well, well, Pat, thank you so much for going over this list. Uh again, we can find it uh you know, when you said your Twitter handle, you said it was the real naw clown, but that is the real, the spelled as you would think and then it's N A uh, clown as you would spell it. So just make sure people can find you. There we got to get you more followers, man. I mean, the amount of work and and time you've put into this list, if you're listening to this podcast, please follow um his twitter handle so we can get that out for um and and get him some of that data he needs like those uh what were you saying you needed earlier the uh the intentional watch what you needed from
0: oh, oh uh for pitchers, i need holds for pictures yeah man. holds. it should be
1: easy we should be able to get that for him so that's our goal by the end of the year to get him access for that so please follow pat there and then um uh prospects 1500 i mean we got top 50 lists coming out relatively soon that's kind of what, what the summer is going to be for me is uh working on that i i got to decide how high i'm going to put ruiz up i mean is he going to overtake cj abrams can i live with myself doing that i don't know we will have to figure it out how high is churios going to be is uh churio is he going to be uh number one uh, that would be
2: pretty cool good clickbait over there if you do that david oh yeah that that would be something i i'd certainly get a lot of attention but uh it's uh we're getting How close we, to that. Weimer's, Weimer's been sucking, man. Are you?
1: Seriously? I no, I he know. hasn't. Hasn't he? I haven't seen him on the, on the top. Uh, I kind of follow Yeah, it's 272, dude. He's hitting 143 in his last seven days, 216 in his last 14, 185 in his last 21. Come on now.
2: 13 homers, 18 stolen bases, man. Yeah, he did that all the beginning.
1: He did that all the beginning. <laughs>
2: Not really. I mean, he's been he's been in a bit of a slump the last week. He also was dealing with a thumb issue. Uh, was dealing with a little bit of a thumb injury that took him out for a couple of days, and I was just kind of getting back uh, from that. So, kind of cut him a little bit of slack there, man.
1: I have both of them on my dynasty team, and I say you can pick one for a trade. Who are you taking right now? Ooh, right now. Tune in next week for the, no, I'm
2: just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Right now you'd almost have to take Cheerio.
1: Boom, there you go. That's what I wanted to get you to say. So anyway, those top 50 lists, they're going to be crazy. There's going to be a lot of movement going up. A lot of graduates as well. I think more so than we've ever seen before in terms of the graduates for our lists. Um, It's going to be fascinating to see. So uh, keep tuning in for that. Uh, The plan I think is to release multiple per day as well i think uh, we've talked about that i don't know if that's official or not but that will be cool to see you know compare divisions and t- t- divisions give us a lot of things to talk about which is good although we've had a ton to talk about thanks to pat thanks to some of these awesome call-ups and performances by michael harris among others and uh yeah it's gonna do it for us so again my name's alex sanchez david gasper pat anything else you want to hit before uh we head out of here
0: um, I do have to give a shout out to one guy who's been on this sheet, who's been hyping up this sheet since 2019. That's my uh, friend, Mario. Uh, Mario Sweatshirt on Twitter. He's someone who likes every single one of my tweets. So I just got to give him a nice little call out and I, I appreciate everything he's done.
1: Awesome. Fantastic. Again, follow Pat over there. Um, follow Prospects1500. Thank you again for listening. Um, sorry for the longer episode, but I, I feel like it was really good conversation so hope you enjoyed it and uh we'll see you next time we're out